Well, people, the early prelims just delivered tenfold, and three of our nine finishes happened at the very start, right? And man, you know, I mean, as I said, right, as I said last time out, it was going to open up hot, and it really did, right? We had Patricia, Patricia, Patricia Castareira against Julian Robertson in the flyweight division. Castareira missed weight, missed weight by four pounds, which crazy. Well, I mean, technically she missed weight by three pounds, right? When you counter in the um, one pound allowance, right? So, but what are you doing? I, I, I wonder what was going on because that's huge. That's huge. Now, Cachoeira was coming into this fight on a win streak. You know, she was coming in on, um, yeah, a nice little streak, one, two, right? Shayna Dobson, Gina, Ma Maza mm, Gina Mazzo, right? Um, so she was hot while Robertson, she'd lost the last couple. Um, you know, she did, you know, she did get some, you know, grappling in, right? She beat Caitlin Kajajian at Submission Underground 26. Um, she lost a few grappling fights, but the thing I liked about that is she's keeping busy and she's learning, right? Keeping busy and learning. So you kind of felt with everything she had learned, you know, the fact that she trains under Dean Thomas, that she's not a walkover, right? She's not a walkover. Yeah, she's still a young lady. You know, so it was just like, what's Robinson going to be able to do here? People. <laughs> now, straight away, you could see that Cachoeira had the power. She had the power, but Robinson's hands had been improving so much. And she was, she was doing okay. She was doing okay. But you kind of thought to yourself, she doesn't want to stay standing for too long. And she didn't. Because she hit a, a well-timed takedown. Oh, my gosh. It was perfect. It was perfect. And as soon as it went to the ground, whew, Robinson put in work. Hunted for a Kimura early. Wasn't able to get that. She um, got mount. Right, she then went for a rear. Um, she went for a um, what did she go for? She went for a guillotine, no armbar. I think she went for an armbar, and 
it she did lose position she lost position and you're like ah you know what i mean yeah like because in previous fights there have been times where she's lost a great position because she's kind of rushed it a little bit too much right but what she did i mean she she quickly transitioned quickly transitioned and she took the back took the back sunk in a rear naked now this is where things got messy because Cachoeira, to try and escape, tried to gouge the eyes. And when I say try, she got into the eye at least once. Now, I don't, she did try again. I don't know if the finger got in like it did the second time. But yeah, she was trying to gouge the eyes, which, oh, it was so dirty. So dirty, but Robert didn't affect Robinson. She kept with it, and Cashewara had to tap. Now, I wonder what's going to happen about that, right? Because you can't gouge, like, just gouging the eyes is, is just nasty. It, it's a nasty thing to do. But, uh, to escape, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's foul, man. It's foul. And I do think the commission should hit Cachoeira with a fine. Because you need to set an example that that shit just ain't going to run, man. Like, you can't say it was an accident. Can't say it, but she did it twice. And even, even just doing it once, you know what a fucking eye feel... Like, you know what you're doing, man. So I'm hoping... Something does get done, but that was a magnificent win for Gillian Robertson. You know, it's good to see her back in the right column, you know what I mean? So we then had Randy Costa against Tony Kelly. And this was like because Costa against Adrian Yanis looked good. Right, looked good in that first round, but kind of tired himself out. So you're thinking, all right, he he's probably learned a lot from that fight, and he, he's still good, right? And with this one against Tony Kelly, who was coming off a good win, yeah, for I right, it's it's going to be a tough fight, but with Costa's, you know, his reach. His speed, he should be able to get it done, right? And again, you know what I mean? Again, Costa looked good early on. Obviously, he didn't have it all his own way, but he was looking decent. Same thing happened. Kind of looked like he gassed himself out. There's come the second round... Tony Kelly was just pouring it on, got him down, ground and pound, and it was it. Just as soon as it hit the ground, you could see Costa just had nothing. Yeah, and the referee gave him opportunities, but just he wasn't moving. He just seemed to be like, I, I ain't got I ain't got nothing, man. And uh, yeah. 
referee stopped it with some ground and pound. Um, and that was bantamweight. So we then go to the featherweight division. And this one was always going to look like an interesting challenge, right? Derek Minner against Ryan Hall. Now, Hall got kind of stuffed last time out, but it was against Ilya Tapura, who, look, he's a beast, right? And he has just looked better and better in all his fights. But Derek Minner, Derek Minner's a savage. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a savage, right? He just keeps on putting it on people. So you knew this could be really interesting. He, you know, Minna fights under um, Glory MMA, James Krause, right? So, he, and also, Minna has submissions. Now, he has been submitted, but he also has submissions. So you wondered what was going to happen. And it was, it was a crazy fight. It, it was crazy in the fact that on the feet, it was all looking okay. It was looking even. And then Minna caught Hall, wobbled Hall. You know, Hall kind of scrambled, went for the feet and was able to survive. But once it was down, you could see that Hall was able to stifle Minna. Right? So you were thinking, okay, Minna's going to keep it to the feet. But Minna just kept on engaging with Hall. Kept on engaging it and giving Hall the opportunity to get the fight down. Now, mad props to Minna for surviving the many, the many myriad of submission attempts that Hall was throwing. But you just thought, man, Minna is put, really putting himself in these bad situations when the path to victory is keep it standing. Because, yeah, the power was there. You could see that Hall didn't like the power in the stand-up, but, yeah, Hall was able to get it to the ground and just control the fight. And he got the win. Got the win via decision. You wondered if Hall was able to submit. And it's especially in the third round where it looked like he had the head and arm trope cinched. But he just stayed in mount. He didn't try to get to the side, which was an interesting um, situation. I was surprised, but it was a, you know, it ended up being a very well-controlled fight for Ryan the Wizard Hall. So from there, we went back to the ladies' flyweight division and another, it, it was another interesting fight because both of these ladies are sensational. Both really lit in Victor FC up. Right, so we, we saw what they could do, and when they came to the UFC, Maverick came first and looked so good. Now she'd lost her last fight to Macy Barber, but that you were like, huh? <laughs> it was baffling how that decision was made. 
And Blanchfield, she came in and just dominated her debut. So you're looking at this fight thinking, all right, how is this one going to go? Right? How's it going to go? Well, people, we, we definitely found out because, yo, oh, my God. It, it was ridiculous. Blanchfield dominated. Dominated Maverick. That's right, people. It was a domination, which I don't think anyone thought was going to happen. Now, I thought, hey, because Bloodfield sometimes starts slow, right? And I thought, oh, if she starts slow, Maverick will be able to put it on her. But, yo, there was nothing slow about Bloodfield today. There was nothing at all. She just overwhelmed Maverick. Overwhelmed her. Got the fight down. Got it down just with ease. I think she hit every one of her takedown attempts. And once it was on the ground, and that it, that seemed to be all she wrote. Maverick couldn't get up. Couldn't get up and was just being just mauled, mauled. Now, in the third round, Maverick, you know, a corner told her, you need to finish, and she did come with intentions, did come with intentions, but again, Blanchfield was able to get it down and just dominated. This, this today, best performance we have ever seen from Erin Blanchfield and we've seen her look good but this was just something she leveled up so much so much between her last fight and this one and I gotta say Erin Blanchfield looks like she's gonna be a contender at some point soon Right, and you wonder how long um, Shevchenko has left, but she's been fighting a long time. So you know, it's conceivable that Valentina takes a couple more fights, maybe, and then it's just like, you know what, I've done it all, I'm out. So a, I think Blanchfield could well be a champion, could well be a champion in the flyweight division. And I will say this, although Maverick got mauled, I, I, this ain't the end of Miranda Maverick. She's going to come back and, you know, she will be a, you know, a contender as well. I definitely believe that. But that was just an incredible fight. It, it really was. It was an incredible fight, people. And the... Um, Prelims, the early prelims ended with another insane situation. It was our sole, was it? No, no, no. It was our first of middleweight fights on the card. Eric Hand against Ped, on Pedro, no, Andre Munez. And Anders came out for throwing. Oh my gosh, he was winding up, looking to land 
bombs. Looking to land bombs. Now, Munez was doing well of avoiding using his jab, and he hit a, a huge, a huge takedown. Man, got on top, got into mount, and then we saw him pull off the, uh, you know, the Souza transition, right? And, and what I mean is he, he got into the same position as he did to submit Jacare Souza, hit Anders with an arm bar, and Anders, luckily Anders tapped. Luckily Anders tapped because you didn't want to see another arm break. And yeah, he tapped, got himself out of that position. And it was a huge win for Andre Munez. You know what I mean? And just, who just really got this pay-per-view underway in a sensational fashion. So we jump into the prelims and... God damn, the action does not let up. Preems, we have two more finishes and just two killer fights, right? So we start off with a um, another middleweight clash. It's who we got? Children Wright. That's it. Whew. I trying to remember, thinking, what's the dude's name? Children Wright, the Beverly Hills Ninja against Bruno Silva. And this fight was crazy. Only went a minute and a half, but it was crazy, people. Wright comes out throwing some real nice kicks, going to the body, going to their head, really just mixing it up nicely, looking fast, looking sharp. Silver using that jab well. You know what I mean? So it's back and forth. It's fast. Now they clinch up, clinch up, and Wright is landing some really good frigging knees to the body. Real good knees to the body. But like Louis Smoker last week, as he exits, Silver unloads and uh, cracks right with a hook. Now, they've been trading early on, you know what I mean? And, and both had landed real good shots. And you could see Silver might have a bit more power, but Wright was doing okay. But the hook that Silver lands on Wright coming out of the clinch wobbles, wobbles Wright. He's on Bambi legs, basically, right? He's on Bambi legs. And Silver just keeps it going. He's he lands another shot, drops right. Wright's trying to survive, but Silver is just relentless. And people, it is done. Oh man, it, it's fast and it was ferocious. Oh. oh, oh. So from there, we go to the heavyweights, people. And at first, at first, right? So it's, oh, yeah, it's Augusta Saki against Taito Avassa, right? 
And we know, look, both of knockout power, obviously, is the heavyweights, right? But it, it opens up, and at first it's very tentative. Very tentative. But then Tayavasa is the one pushing forward. Pushing forward, landing the jab well. And you're like, huh? But Saki had, the, I feel Saki had the reach advantage. And he has a good jab. We've seen him use the jab. But it is Tayavasa who's coming forward, landing some big shots. Now, Saki starts to move a bit more and do stuff. And you're like, okay, okay. And it kind of fends like that. It's an interesting situation. In the second round, Saki, you know, he's landing some good jabs. He's moving about. But then Tayavasa is pushing forward again. And Saki, he, he, he resorts back to the back foot. And on the back foot, he, he's not doing as well. It's Tayavasa who is pushing it, right? Coming with the, um, yeah, coming with the pressure, right? But, um, yeah, again, it is it, it, kind of a problem. It is kind of a problem. And we're getting close to the end of the round. Getting close to the end of the round. I feel, yeah. And, um, yeah, Tuavasa just lands a, a huge shot and wobbles Saki. Puts him down. Saki gets up and then Tuavasa, he just keeps pouring it on. Keeps pouring it on and gets the stoppage. Gets the stoppage. It's huge. And you just think, like, one of the big things you notice about Saki in his losses, it's, it's when the output slows down, right? It's when the output slows down. And that's when he was clearly having a difficulty in this fight. It, it's when his output was mad slow. And, yeah, this happens again. And it's very curious because when he's on, Saki looks good, right? We've seen him utilize a good jab, but yeah, just this time out, it, it, he just allowed Tuavasa to control the fight. He allowed him to control the fight, and Tuavasa walks away with a really good victory. And again, he's he, he was all, all about it with those shoes, man. All about it with those shoes. Looked like no one went crazy with the hot sauce this time out. But damn. Oh, shoes just look wrong, people. <laughs> they look wrong. So there was a lot of talk about the next fight. Right, it was the bantamweight clash between Pedro Muniz and the bantamweight goat Dominic Cruz. Right, people thought, ah, why is this on the prelims? You know, is this something to say about Cruz maybe diminishing? Who knows? Right, but you kind of looked at it, and Cruz looked very good in his last fight against Casey Kenny. Muniz has, you know, he's shown a lot of potential, right? Showing a lot of potential. 
And um, yeah, it, you're just thinking this is going to be a good fight. And straight away, there's a lot of movement. This is a fast fight. So a lot of movement. Cruz is, man, he's typical, just evasive self. But, but, Munez catches him, catches him clean, and Cruz goes down. Cruz goes down, and you're like, yo, what the fuck? Munez is pouring it on, and there's a, you know, Cruz gets up, he gets dropped again, and you just think the way he went down, you thought, oh, fuck, it's over. It's over. But Cruz, kept moving, he kept moving on the ground, and he, he's able to survive, able to survive, and I've got to say, Cruz ended the round really well, using that jab, moving, and, and just, you know, keeping Munez at bay, but you're wondering, how are they going to score that round? How are they going to score that round? Because fuck. You know what I mean? And you wondered. You wondered. Is Cruz fully back? Can he avoid those big shots? People. What we then see in the next two rounds. Oh. oh, oh. Anyone that doubted Dominic Cruz. Man, I, they, they need to issue apologies because Dominic Cruz looked sensational. He really just started to turn it on. He's mad evasive. He's working that jab, working the body. He's really mixing it up, throwing in kicks, keeping Munez at bay, keeping him at bay. And like, not only did he cut Munez open, but he, he looks like he stunned Munez a few times and really just put together long combinations that were working Munez. Now, props to Munez for being able to survive. But Dominic Cruz, oh my gosh, Dominic Cruz, hey, he just showed that, yo, this goat, Ain't going nowhere. Ain't going nowhere, people. And so then we go back up to the featherweight division and we've got Dan Eag against Josh Emmett. Now, this fight, whew, another great fight. Another great fight. Eag, stick and moving, just really coming with um volume really coming with volume now Emmett just loading up with those big shots put eats down puts him down but he, he's up he's up quick and he he's just getting back to the game plan but you can see Emmett is looking for those big shots looking for those big shots but Eek being evasive right working Keeping to the game plan. He gets a takedown in the second round. Right? Now, he, he can't hold Emmett down. But he, he is looking good. 
he is looking good and controls the second round, you feel. Right? So you kind of think it's 1-1 going into third. And Emmett, you know, he's corner talk to him. He came out and he did, you know, up the tempo. But he was still doing his thing. Right? Still stick and moving. Still working. Still with the volume. So when it, you know, fight finished and it went to the judges, kind of thought, oh, this is close. It's definitely close. But I was thinking he takes it 29-28. Now, two judges gave it 29-28 either way. One judge, 30-27 Emmett. And you just like, what? Where the fuck does that one come from? You know what I mean? Like, it was an odd, it was an odd decision, I thought. I thought Eagle won that fight. But 29-28, you're like, ah, you know what? It was a close one. It's a close one for sure. 30-27, though, that's just, that's a mess, right? People need to talk to that judge and go, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Because that makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. But, again, firefights, man. The prelim was fire. So, now it's time for our main... So, on the main card, right? Three fights, then our two title fights. Now, I will probably say the the worst fight of the night was a little bit of a surprise. It was the welterweight clash between Santiago... Santiago Ponzinibbio and Jeff Neal. Now, not a terrible fight, but I think the big thing with this is, now, Neal, very crisp hands, right? Crisp hands and always looks efficient. A lot of power. Ponzinibbio, he likes a war. Right, but Neil, he you know, first round Neil's doing a pretty good job. Pontanibio is trying to get the war started. Um, and then we go to the second round, and Pontanibio, he's pushing the pace. Neil, he's doing a lot of backing up. We're not seeing a lot from Neil, which was confusing. Was confusing now. Come the third round, right, in the uh, intermission, Safe Saeed, you know what I mean, for this MMA head honcho, he really lets Neil have it, which is good, right? It's good, you know. You want to see that. You want to see a coach really like that fire, let a fighter know what needs to be done, right? What needs to be done. And after that, we did see Neil come out and really up his pace. And once he upped his pace, boom, he he controlled the fight and he looked good. He looked good at this point. But yeah, it it was an odd situation. It was definitely an odd, odd fight. And you did wonder, 
why Neil seemed a little, I don't know, lethargic, maybe? Because I think in the Magnify, we, we saw Neil just not be as productive as he needs to be. And that's when Neil seems to have difficulty. But it, it, we did see that change in a third. So that was big. Now, it, it went the distance. It went to a split decision. But yeah, Neil, I do feel Neil did win that fight. Was close. But yeah, you know, I mean, what we saw in the third round from Neil, that's, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. And hopefully going forward, yeah, he, he keeps that form of energy, right? Now, that was the last fight before the title fights. Now, the main card, that one went to addition. Hey, the, the first two fights, oh, they did not. <laughs> they did not. Now, again, I, you know, I mentioned in the prelims, there was a lot of talk about Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munez, and their placement on the card. Now, a lot of that talk came from the one Sean O'Malley, right? Talking about how the Sugar Show is going to take over, and um, that's why he's on the main card. That's why he's opening things up. Now, people also wondered about the opposition. Rulian Pavier, definitely tough. Definitely tough. But people thinking, hey, what about some ranked opponents for O'Malley? You know what I mean? What about that? But remember, Rulion, free fight win streak, right? Free fight win streak beat Kyla Phillips, O'Malley's training partner. So wasn't going to be an easy test. Probably the toughest person O'Malley has fought. And Pavier, a black belt, right? But you know, I think we've seen, I mean, if you watch, right, because O'Malley competed in Quintet, and we've seen his ground game, and he looks good. If you've watched training footage with O'Malley, he trains jiu-jitsu a lot. He even enters jiu-jitsu tournaments, right? So, this fight, it was an interesting one, because if Pavier wins, whew, Changes everything. Changes everything. Mali wins. Hey, we we are off to the races, right? And this fight starts. Oh, Mali's striking is so so crisp, and he uses his length extremely well. He's one of the few fighters that really know how to use it, and he's striking, mixing it up, head body. Now, Pavier is attacking the legs. He hits a few really hard calf kicks, which you did wonder. You're like, oh, is this going to fuck O'Malley up? Because O'Malley wasn't checking the kicks. But Pavier, he didn't throw a lot of them. Didn't throw a lot of them. But you wondered, could this be problematic? Well, people, the answer is no. Because O'Malley stuns Pavier with a right. Stuns him with a right. Gets him on the fence and just unloads. 
Now, he put together some real nice combinations earlier on in the fight. But, man, once he smelt blood, it was a wash. Because, man, he just put it on Pave. Dropped him. Pave, he, he gets up. O'Malley drops him again and just keeps it going. Just throwing shots until the referee jumps in and uh, calls it a night. But yeah, Sean O'Malley really put a stamp on that performance. Really did. And showed people, oh, the Sugar Show ain't no hype, baby. You know what I mean? Ain't no hype. And you got to say. Who the fuck is next? Right? Because you gotta rank Sean O'Malley now. You gotta rank him. And uh, yeah, there's some interesting ones. Now, with Cruz winning, you wonder, will they try and make O'Malley Cruz? Huh? Now, that fight could definitely headline a fight night. Could definitely headline a fight night, right? So next up, We've got a flyweight clash. Cody Garbrandt debut to be intact, right? To be intact. To... <laughs> oh, my God. I can't speak, people. Woo! To be a fact, right? And he was going up against Kai Kara France. Now, this is an interesting one, right? So, Kara France, you know, won his last fight and won it well. First round stoppage of Ruggiero Bonterini. And Garbrand, you know, coming off a loss against Rob Font. And in that fight, he just never got going. Font just kind of dominated him. And look, we know the problems. We know the problems Garbrand had been having with COVID and just everything. So... You wondered, you wondered, what what's this going to be like? Now, he's not a big bantamweight, so the cut to flyaway, thought, okay, it, it, it shouldn't be crazy. But as I mentioned last time out, people, the big question would be the chin, because we've seen people cut down, and the chin just doesn't hold up. Because you're cutting all that water away. And it just takes away. Right? Takes away from you. So that was the big question coming into this fight. And people. Whew. Straight away you could see. Cara France. He understood. He does not want to get caught by Garbrandt. So he's evasive. He's moving. Right? And, and it's pretty fast. It's a fast fight. He's attacking the body, attacking the head, and he just uncorks an overhand right that puts Garbrandt down. And you're like, what? What? Now, Garbrandt, he gets up. He gets up. He's looking a little wobbly. And Cara France drops him again with another right. Chops in again with another overhand right. Now, Garbrandt, right? Because he, he's a division, I think he's a division one wrestler, right? 
gets a takedown, gets a takedown when you think, oh, super smart, super smart. But Cara France, yeah, I mean, he understands, right? And he, he extricates himself from the situation. So they're back to standing. And, oh, man, Cara France hits him with an uppercut, puts Garbrandt down, and just is dropping bombs. Dropping bombs until the referee calls it. It's a bus, people. Cara France gets the biggest win of his UFC career and sets up some big fights. Sets up some big fights. Now, he, he, before this fight, he was saying if he gets a win, title fight. That's a title fight. Now, one thing Cormier did mention, maybe he gets matched up with Manuel Camp, right? Him and Camp, and then the winner challenges for the belt, which, not a bad fight. Not a bad fight, right? So it'll be interesting because both finished their fights early. So you kind of think, right? Maybe they throw that on the January pay-per-view, right? Maybe they can sneak it on the pay-per-view. You know what I mean? And then you've got a backup fight in case anyone gets injured. But yeah, I'd love to see that one. I'd love to see that one. And people, that's the prelims. Well, main card. That's the prelims? No, it's the main card. Well, it is our non-title portion of the main card, people. And absolutely fire. So another two finishes. So what happened in our title fights? <laughs> well, people... People, our first title fight of the night, women's bantamweight, right? Now, we had Juliana Pena going up against the GOAT, Amanda Nunes, the champ, champ. And Pena was talking a lot coming into this fight, a lot coming in saying Nunes was scared of her. Nunes ain't for anyone like her, which... Hey, and I said it, right? Sounded crazy. Sounded crazy. Because when you look at the people Nunez has fought, you know, she murked Cyborg. She's fought Shevchenko twice. She hasn't, you know, turned down anyone. And she looked just unstoppable. Looked unstoppable. Where Pena, you know what I mean? It'd it been... Back and forth, like she'd lost a lot of fights. You know, there was not a consistent run, really, which was tough, you know, calling for a title fight. Though, I mean, she definitely looked, she's looked great. She's had fights where she's looked sensational, looked sensational on the Ultimate Fighter. And from the Ultimate Fighter, you looked at Pena going, hey, she could be a problem. Could be a problem. But this fight just looked insurmountable it looked like it was Nunes all the way and the interesting thing was so it starts off and Nunes puts Pena down twice puts Pena down twice and you're like oh Nunes just fierce man and Nunes gets a takedown gets a takedown and you know she's working Pena working her takes the back 
looking for rear naked. Now, Pena does a very good job of surviving, turns into a, so Nunez is on top. Pena's looking for a, a, a Kimura, but Nunez, you know, she's controlling it. But you're like, oh, interesting, interesting. And on the corner, on the stalls in between the rounds, you know, Pena's saying, oh, you know, it was hard to hear what a corner said, but Pena was like, I can't, man, she's stopping me, she's stopping me, right? But the corner's like, yo, don't worry, man, just focus, you got this, you got this. So you come into the second round, and Pena, corner seems to really pepper up because she's pushing forward, pushing forward, landing the jab. And, you know what I mean? Nunes has done work, right? She's nearly shut Pena's eye. So you're like, ooh. But Pena stings Nunes a few times with the jab. And you're like, huh. Okay. And Nunes is just like, nah. And starts to really sit down and throw bombs. Throw bombs, really just putting everything into it, but she can't put Pena away, can't put her away, and then the crazy big thing, Pena goes for a takedown, and gets it, and gets the takedown, which you're just looking at like, what, right, and the thing is, as Pena's going for the takedown, we're seeing Nunez, like, she's looking fatigued. You know, she's looking fatigued, and she, yeah, she looks off. Nunez really looks off, right? And so Pena gets her down, gets her down, jumps on the back. And you're like, ooh, okay. But hooks aren't in. Hooks aren't in, but able to get underneath the chin. Now we know Nunez, very good jujitsu. Right? So you're thinking, all right, she should be able to get out of this. But Nunez is done. Right? Nunez is done. Pena pushing down, sinking in. And the unthinkable, Nunez taps. Nunez taps. And you're like, oh, the, the tap comes and it, it was fairly quick. But it, it's one of those things when, when the gas tank is empty, people, try, when you have nothing left and someone's trying to choke you out, it is the worst feeling Oh, man, it is the worst feeling, right? So that's why that tap came. Because Nunez was just gassed out. Gassed out and Pena wins. Now, I thought Nunez was going to win this fight, right? Thought she was going to win this fight. And I really like Amanda Nunez. You know what I mean? But, man, you just the elation... From Pena, their celebrations with her family and everyone. You know, her daughter was in the ring. 
man, it, it, it's just, it's a lovely moment. Like, it, it's hard to deny those moments, right? Even if you're like, ah, I want the other fighter. You just see that and you're just like, God damn it. I'm so glad you get to experience that, right? It was just such a magical moment, the elation, just everything, the interview with Rogan. It, it was something else. And people, this was the biggest upset in UFC history. It was insane, especially the fact that, you know, just before the fight, I think it was DC said, might have been Anik. Someone put down 300,000. Free, or maybe it was 30,000. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of fucking cheese. Put it down on Nunes to win. And you just thought, oh, oh my God. Yeah, hoping homie didn't mortgage the house because, yo, I'd be hurting. I'd be hurting. But props to Nunes, you know what I mean? Didn't make excuses, didn't make excuses, and you know there's going to be a rematch, right? So it's going to be curious. It's going to be curious, right, to see what happens. Because it kind of reminds you of the um, the first time Jin Chechek lost, right? So, yeah, it's going to be curious, but mad props to Juliana Pena, the Venezuelan vixen, yo, she, you know, she did what she said, she stuck in there, and she took, as I said, she took some heavy shots, she stuck in there, and walked away, the new UFC bantamweight champion of the world, yo, so the night Ends with the last title fight. Lightweight strap on the line. The new champion, Charles Oliveira, going up against Dustin Poirier. Right? The people's champion, as it were. Because so many people thought that, you know, Poirier should have been the one challenging for the belt. Back, you know, back when that fight was. And they thought that, yeah, Poirier would have beaten either Chandler or Oliveira, whoever he would have gone up against if he did go for that one. And coming into this fight, it seemed that most people had Poirier. Now, if you remember people, me, I thought Oliveira was going to win. And I thought he was going to win because the narrative was that he's a quitter. But we saw in that Chandler fight, there was no quit in Oliveira. And his hands had got a lot better. So, what the fuck was going to happen? Now, fight starts and Oliveira comes forward. Comes forward, quick hands. Quick hands, and he's mixing it up. He's stepping elbows, right? He's attacking the body. Poirier, good hands. Good hands. Probably more power, right? And they're going back and forth. Now, Poirier stuns Oliveira with um, a big right, then a left hook. Oh, and you're like, oh, shit. But 
Oliveira keeps on coming forward. Keeps on coming forward, walks onto a big right from uh, Poirier, goes down. But um, yeah, Poirier, he, he drops some shots, but Oliveira said, look, no quit, gets up, gets up, and yo, keeps the pressure on. Keeps the pressure on. So we go into the um yeah, no, and he gets a takedown. He he gets a takedown. Now Poirier gets straight back up. But yeah, we're 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 seeing Oliveira do some very good work, right? Throwing some knees, knee to the head, to the body, you know, and that was a big thing. He's throwing a lot to the body of Poirier. Front kicks, jabs. You know what I mean? So we go into the second round, and yeah, it's continuing, right? Continuing. Now, I will say, Poirier is is looking a little tired. I thought Poirier is looking a little tired in the second round. And um, Oliveira gets him down. Gets him down. Now, um, he's able... To, you know, I mean, he, he gets him down. Well, he goes for the, he takes the back first. He takes the back, but slips off. Slips off, and you're like, oh, problem. But he, he grabs the arm, and with that, he, it's like he's going for an armor platter, but it's not really there. But it does keep him safe, and then he's able to flip. And get Poirier down. So he gets him down. Gets on top. Now Poirier closes his guard. And Oliveira is then working him. Dropping elbows. Big elbows to the side of the head. Budding elbows. Not the cutting ones. But just big elbows crashing down. And Poirier just ain't doing a thing. Now. It, it, what you kind of figured was the thing that happened. Poirier, he, he didn't want to give Oliveira the opportunity to um, get a better position and throw on a submission, right? But Poirier just worked him, worked him in that second round. And you're like, ooh, it's a problem. It's a problem because he's looking even more tired now. So we're into the third. Poor, and Oliveira comes out again, bringing the fight to Poirier, right? It's how he started every round. He's throwing those jabs out. And, man, he goes for the body. Sadami, faint, takes the back. It was a, a perfect transition. Perfect transition round to the back. He's got a body lock. Right, he's on Poirier's back, one leg in, gets one leg to hook. You're thinking he's going for a takedown. Nah, he jumps on the back. And the crazy thing is, there's Poirier, he, he, he kind of, he, he's put his hands down, right? He puts his hands on the ground, I think probably to defend himself from the knees, which Oliveira had been throwing up to the head when he had him up against the fence in previous rounds. But you're like, Poirier, what are you doing? Because 
but by doing this, he's just offering up his back. And yeah, Oliveira jumps on, jumps on. He had that one hook in and then boom, just so fast, so fast onto the back now. And yeah, he then is hunting for a rear naked, hunting for that rear naked arm is under the chin. Poirier is able to defend once. Oliveira gets it again. Poirier defends again. But, you know, in Oliveira, he's throwing a few shots. Gets it perfectly under. And it's, yeah, hands behind the head. Poirier just, it, it's kind of like he's just waiting for it. Right, it's a bit like the Nunes fight, where it, it it's coming and it looks like they, yeah, they were just like, yeah, I realize it's inevitable, and Poirier taps, it taps, it, it's just like you you, you won't, you'd never say they gave up, right? But it was just they they were in that position, they're tired, and it's just like. We know what's coming, man. We know what's coming. And yeah, Poirier taps. And still, Charlie Olives goes with the win. And boy, again, just a beautiful thing to see. The elation, the celebrations with his team management. It was a great look. Charles Oliveira, people need to stop saying Homie is a quitter because he showed nothing but heart and just straight up skills. The way he worked the body to tire Poirier out and the transition to take the back in that third round was a sight to be seen, people. It was a sight to be seen. What a great fight. What a fucking great fight and a great main card okay people so after that great card right it was a case of hearing who what's fight of the night i kind of felt that there's just one contender now we had some great fights but yeah i mean dominic cruz right that was just awesome and yes that got fight of the night, people. So, yeah, that's great. That's great. There's, you know, Munez, he, he, he was so close to getting a finish in that first. So, yeah, I kind of felt he, he brought something to that fight as well. Even though Cruz just, boom, stepped it up in the next two rounds. Now, um, performance of the night, right? So, who gets in the two performance of the night? I mean... When you look at every, it has so many contenders, right? So many contenders. And you would definitely think Charles Oliveira, you know, for his title win, his title defense, and Juliana Pena for that just incredible performance. And yeah, they get performances. That's not all, though, people, because, you know, Bruno Silva gets one for his stoppage of, uh, you know, Jordan Wright, Taito Avassa, but he's stoppage of Augusta Staki. 
Um, we get Sean O'Malley for his phenomenal performance. Kai Kara, France, as well. So how about that? <laughs> it's crazy. You know what I mean? Just, hey, it's a great thing to see. Six performance of the night, one fight of the night. People, people got paid. And I imagine there's probably a few other checks got handed out as well. So definitely a good night. Which uh, just capped off that phenomenal, phenomenal card. You know? Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's just so many things to come out of this. So many things to look forward to. How great was Blanche? Blanchefield, right? Aaron Blanchefield. Looks sensational. Looks sensational. And so happy that Gillian Robertson A got back onto that winning track, you know. Um, will be interesting to see what happens with Priscilla Cachareira because that's an eye gouge. It's not good. Was not good. But yeah, a lot of fun potential shit coming out of this people. And um yeah, we still got submission on the ground on Sunday and one final UFC card. So still stuff to look forward to, people. So yeah, there you go. Hey, so we end our weekend with submission underground 29 from somewhere in Oregon. You know what I mean? Uh, once again, Chael brings us a fun pack card of uh, submission grappling, you know, in the EBI rules, which frankly, for me, best rules in jiu-jitsu. Now, unfortunately, the tag team fight, that was on YouTube rather than Fight Pass. Now, I, I'm assuming it's, it's a time constraint thing, you know, because I know they've got a specific amount of time and if it goes over, doesn't matter. The stream's done, right? So I, I think that was probably why. And I haven't been able to watch that fight yet. But what I did see... Oh, my God. <laughs> now, there was one fight that was just... Yo. It was a problem. You know what I mean? There were, there, like, there were some good fights. There was a couple of fights that were just like, yo, what? What the fuck just happened there? You know what I mean? And uh, then there's the main event, right? The main event, which was insane. The main event was insane. Oh, my God. Now, I, I will tell you, right, the, the, um, the fights that I was like, Oh, wait, what was that? Um, uh, now I'm, I'm going to have to uh, take a look at my notes. I made notes, people. Um, it was the, the Travis Moore, right? The Travis Moore, Matt Ferrandolo, Fer I think that's how you say it. It was that fight because 
Ferrandolo, hey, he, he just kept on backing up, right? He, he kept on backing up, putting himself, he, he was because he was putting himself against the fence, right? Which are just like, oh, wait, you that's making it easy for my man to take you down. But then he didn't want to be on the ground. So it was a little bit baffling because if he didn't want to be on the ground, you'd think he wouldn't go on the fence, right? And he did pull guard a couple of times, but then he got straight back up. So he's a bit like, wait, why did you pull? You don't want to be on your back. What if, wait, what? So that was a little confusing. Um, so it went to overtime. It went all the free. Uh, but and Ferrandolo was able to get the fastest escape win. So you're like, okay, huh? So uh, was this a situation you wanted to tie your dudes out? I'm not sure, right? I, I I'm not sure. But hey, whatever it was, he got the win. He got the win, you know. And that's probably the main thing, you know. Um, another fight that was just crazy was our co-main event on the uh, Fight Pass stream, right? It was Tara uh, La Rosa against Mercedes White. And so coming into this fight, supposedly, she was saying there's a lot of heat. You know what I mean? White had been basically dogging La Rosa every day to get the fight, which, you know, I kind of get if you want to challenge yourself and all of that. But they come the fight. Yo, <laughs> White was just talking mad reckless to La Rosa. Mad reckless all the time. Like, just, you know, not doing anything illegal, but playing mad rough, like mad rough, so it is, it's kind of like you're walking that line, you know, um, to the extent of, I kind of feel if you do this to certain people, they're waiting for you after the show, <laughs> you know, I mean? they're gonna wait for you after the show, and uh, yeah, it, 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 it's on site, you know what I mean, it's I don't care the rule set, I'm fucking you up, right? That's that's how that's what it was. This white was crazy. And then after the fight, it, there was no hey, it's all fun and games, man. We, you know what I mean? There's no hugs, there's nothing like that. It was like, yeah, and fuck you. <laughs> and you're just like, oh shit, Mercedes White, she crazy. <laughs> which hey it is fun as fuck it's fun to watch you know what I mean but you're just like yo this person's insane but you're just wondering what's going through the head of the opponent you know now one of the other things was it would seem that La Rosa didn't study the rule set very well <clears throat> now I say that because you know it, it in overtime 
you have to consider ride time, you know? But it's like she didn't consider ride time. So it, it was, you know, she was going for certain things or taking her time to escape. And you're like, no, that's all well and good. But now you're down on ride. So that means you have to hold. Right. So there just seemed to be that disconnect there. And that seems a bit baffling because this is the 29th event. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like this is new. And also, right, this is the 29th event of Submission Underground. But just um, think of how many EBIs, combat jujitsus. You know, there was one, um, is it? OTT event, I feel that was it, right? So th there's been a lot of Eddie, Eddie Bravo um, events, which you could look at as well for that to understand the rule set. And yeah, so I think when you get people come in and they don't know the rule set, it's just like, yo, that's on you, kid. There's all this time you could have learned it. You know what I mean? Could have learned it, but you didn't. What? So there's that. Uh, the feeling Caron and the John Simone fight, that was, man, that was a fun one, right? Back and forth. Caron just, he can escape. He can escape a submission, man. He got out of some tricky situations. Hey, but it wasn't all one-sided because he got Simone in some shit too. Probably went to the guillotine a little too much, you know? And, and, and I say a little too much, it's just like, all right, it's all well and good throwing it on, but are you really in the optimal position to grab it, you know? So there is that. But good fight, fun overtime. Simone is able to pull that out. I, um, we had Jesse Hornbrook, right? He's fight against, um, oh, it was, uh, man, it was feeling, right? I, I feel it was feeling, um, no, it wasn't, what am I talking about? No, he, Hornbrook. No, Hardenbrook, damn, I can't even pronounce names, man. Jesse Hardenbrook went up against Jimmy Allman. And, um, yeah, another one that was, it was just evenly matched. Evenly matched. Oh, their transitions. Oh, their transitions were fun. Like, they were sweeping each other. One be on top doing his thing. Then the other one would sweep, and then they're going for a similar thing. It was a back-and-forth affair. It really was. But, um, you know, I mean, Altman was able to, uh, yo, he was able to get that in the, it, it was the first, man, it was, yeah, it was, it was the first uh, innings, first round of um, overtime, right? Got a face crank, which you're like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? All right. And, and it's because uh, 
I, I'd say, you know, um, Altman didn't get a bad, he got a little bit of ride, got a little bit of ride, but yeah, Harlem broke, he, he just went for it. He took the back and poof, he did his thing, people, did his thing. Um, so we, we had like the Caleb Stacker, um, Ian King fight, another even one. You know, there was a lot of feeling out and all of that kind of jazz, you know, very evenly match. Stacker was able to get the win rear naked in the first round of overtime. Um, Mark Hemmel was able to feat Jason um, Patterson. He won, you know, that went the, the full three, but, you know, Hemmel was able to, uh, yeah, he, he was able to, um, oh, what's the word? Yeah, escape quicker. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sometimes words are difficult, people. <laughs> Sometimes words are difficult. Patterson got a huge takedown, though, early on in that one. Ooh, got a huge takedown, you know? But yeah, it, it, you know, Hamill, he, he got it to overtime and then was able to um, take over. But yeah, I, I think one um out and I'll say the uh, Teron Kassan um Karoy Anderson fight another one it was evenly matched Neva wanted to mess around right Neva wanted a mess around when it came to that ground game you know. They they both were like, all right, we know motherfuckers got skills. Let's be cautious here. So there was that there, there was that fight. But yeah, for me, I think the best fight. Well, as one of the best fights on the, the, the card was um, uh, Colton Vaughn against Zara, Zachary Winter. Yo, this fight was crazy. So it started a fight for position. Vaughn, real nice body lock takedown, right? And he's um, attacking the neck. Went for a guillotine. Um, yeah, winter. Winter? Not minter. Oh, people. Yeah, I'm struggling here. I'm, a, I'm an idiot. Minter, he, he was able to escape, right? But Vaughn gets back on top, into mount, and that was it. Into mount, he, he just wrapped up that key lock, and it was a wrap. It's a wrap. But one, oh, one of the funnest fights. So that was the most decisive fight on the card. You know what I mean? As I said, look, we had some other fun fights. Had some crazy situations. The, the, the funnest thing, though, was the main event. Right? It was Sean Strickland against Andy Varela. Right? Both. Very good. Very good. And here's the thing. Strickland's jiu-jitsu, it's 
good, right? If you pay attention to his fights and everything like that, yeah, when it's gone to the ground, he's handled himself. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I was looking forward to this one. And, <laughs> oh, shit. Right, so Strickland was just a baiting. He's baiting for Rayla. It was a bit like Mercedes White, but the only difference is Varela was down for the fun, right? Tara La Rosa was not. <laughs> but Varela, he was down for the fun because he, he, you know, he understood. They were both cracking jokes up in there. And yeah, Strickland was just, hey, take me down. <laughs> Try and take me down. Get the backing up on the fence. Now, this was a backing up that you're like, all right, I, I get what Strickland's doing. He's, he's getting backed up against the fence and being like, you can't take me down. Uh, he kept on putting himself in this situation. And yeah, Varela was trying, couldn't get him. But then uh, you could see Strickland would then sneakily go for something. And he, he's, you know, messing up Varela's hair and just doing all this crazy shit. And then the most insane thing went down. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's Strickland, he's like, you can't take me down. All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity. So he walks into the center, puts his arms out. It's like, there. All right, take me down. Varela was just like, you know what? That looks appealing. <laughs> and he jumps on the back. Think Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. Jumps on the back and just sinks in that really joke. <laughs> and you know, he goes to the ground and, and Strickland has the tap. And he's just like, You were meant to take me down. You were meant to try and take me down. Didn't do that for you to jump on my back. What's going on? Like, he wasn't doing it. He, they were laughing. He was laughing saying it, but you're just someone going you don't got what it takes to take me down yeah I can see you going all right fool try and take me down now I'm giving you the opportunity I see that but then I see it from Varela who's like wait if I get an opportunity if I get a crack if I get a sniff at the neck Obviously, I'm taking it. Obviously. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. That's what happened, right? But, hey, it it didn't make it rubbish. It was a fun fight. It was a, and you know what? I would love to see them go again. I'd love because, hey, Strickland was showing good takedown offense. You know, and when the fact that he was taking this fight as a little kind of, uh, let me just get some practice in before the Hamanson fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see it. It makes sense. You know, and he showed, yeah, good defense, people. Good defense. So, hey, that's it for Submission Underground in 2021.
another fun one, people. Another fun one. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what they do in 2022. I heard a rumor that they're leaving Fight Pass. I hope that isn't true. Oh, that's not true. So uh, fingers crossed, people. We will see. How fun was that, people? How fun was that? Especially, hey, that strictly <laughs> fight, right? Insane shit. Hey, great way to end the weekend of just great action, right? Killer UFC. One more left. That was the last submission underground of the year. So, um, yeah, it's the home stretch, but still a lot to look forward to, people. So, we will see you soon. Yeah, I guess we'll re we're um, reviewing the weekend events next time out, people. So, we'll see you on the next